Hey, hey, everybody, you're tuned in to another episode of the Couch GM's podcast. I'm your host, George Kirth, and it's going to look a little bit different today as Tyler Snyder can unfortunately not join us. He had some technical issues, but we got Cody Roadcap here with us today. Cody, how you doing today? I'm doing great, and welcome in to another episode of the Couch GM's podcast. We are going to miss out on Snyder uh, today, but George and I, we're going we're gonna to carry through. We're going to do some quick recaps of all the latest and greatest free agency moves, news and notes around the NFL. Plus, we're going to continue our mock draft series, and we're going to redo picks 3 through 10 uh, because of the trade that we'll talk about in a little bit. And please give us a follow on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at the Couch GMs. We will recap everything we talked about in this episode and have a little bit of extra content for you guys and get involved in the discussion. Whatever you guys want to talk about, we will talk about with you on social. So with that being said, why don't we jump into NFL news for the week and... We do have a little bit of free agency stuff to talk about, but first off, the big news of the week, the NFL has officially approved the 17-game regular season. This means that there will only be three preseason games, as the new CBA agreed to last year says there can be a maximum of 20, minus the playoffs. Um, But I don't think any of us really liked four preseason games anyway. So three preseason games, 17 regular season games, and that 17th game is going to be between outside of conferences. So you're going to face the per- the team who lines up in your standings rank from the previous year in the opposite conference. This seed's going to be like East versus East, West versus West. It's going to change every year. So Cody, 17 games. Are you excited for that? Uh, yes and no. Yes and no. Uh, I can't say I'm not excited about more football. I'm not excited because I'm not going to lie. I'm a little worried about 17 games. We've already seen that the 16 game season has extreme wear and tear on the players' bodies. We're we're adding a 17th game. Now I know we're compensating that with a less one less preseason game, but that fourth preseason preseason game starters barely play. They might play 10 to 20 snaps. Uh, So there's definitely a big snappy increase throughout the year. Um, And there's no additional bye week. I was a little surprised by that. And I'm not going to lie, there is something that's not as pretty. uh, There can no longer be an 8-8 team. I mean, no one wants to strive to be average. uh, (laughs) But there's not that nice, clean number. You're either going to be 8-9 or 9-8. And and for 20-plus years, I've been glued in to you need to go at least 10-6 to make the playoffs. And 10, exist, 10 and 6 doesn't exist anymore. So it's definitely going to be a learning curve uh, for us fans as well. It's going to be interesting to see if 10 wins still pretty much guarantees you a playoff spot, though, since they did extend the playoffs to the seven teams per conference instead of six. So, I mean, at that point, 10 wins, if you didn't make the playoffs of 10 wins, something really weird happened with your conference. Now, obviously, it's going to be 10 and 7, so it's not quite as impressive. But, I mean, the preseason might change even more now. I mean, obviously, last year there was no preseason because COVID and they just didn't want to risk any teams traveling to other teams with all the uncertainty you might not see starters really play at all now in the preseason because they're trying to save their bodies for that extra regular season game. So you could see 
three week four preseason games and the three that are left, which is not going to be super exciting, but you're going to see those fringe guys just fighting for spots more. And you might get like a drive out of your starters through the whole preseason. And that's it. Yeah, I'm completely with you. I think we might tend to see a little bit of, you know, the quote unquote tradition that week three game, uh, you might see starters play the first quarter. Uh, maybe on some situations they play the whole first half uh, because it is good to point out that the season's not starting any uh, closer than it would have if there was a fourth preseason game. There is a quote-unquote built-in bye week before the season even starts. Uh, I'm, I don't think it's unclear or 100% clear yet if training camp practices will still continue through that bye week. I kind of think that they will um, just so that the players are staying fresh in some capacity. Um, so – the season will actually go a week longer into February than we're they're used to. But I agree. The preseason is going to change. They're going to try to keep those star players from playing. I mean, we've already seen that in the past, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if within 10 years, we see it an 18 game season with two preseason games. It seems like that's the direction we're headed. The CBA does allow for it. There just has to be an owner approval and with it being in their hands, I'm sure because of the revenue, they'll do it. But when we were going into our Super Bowl special, you had said in the intro how we're not going to debate if the day after the Super Bowl should be a holiday. Well, hear me out. They didn't move the start of the regular season up a week. So this year, and I think there's one more year in this 10-year span, that the day after the Super Bowl will now be President's Day. It's a holiday. I'm just letting you know because you didn't seem to be a fan of it. <laughs> No, I, I heard that. I think that if they get to the 18-game season, which I alluded to, the Super Bowl pretty much always falls on President's Day weekend. I think the NFL would ha say that's their end goal. They might not say it publicly, but they know people. more people are willing to travel. They know people will have off. or not. A lot of places don't actually you know celebrate President's Day outside of federal and schools, but they know that day is more easily to get off because there's kids out of school, so a lot of times people that in your traditional nine to five jobs, they have to take off to watch their kids. There's just more avenues for longer weekend festivities around the Super Bowl. Cause at the end of the day, it's all about making money and adding a 17th game is already going to help increase a lot of revenue on top of the new TV deals that we talked about a few weeks ago. Uh, it is pretty interesting how all this new money is coming in starting next year and the year after that, and they still had to lower the salary cap and weren't willing to take a hit this year and let it go out for next year. Uh, pretty interesting move, and uh, some will say smart business by the owners. Some people will say they took advantage of the players. Well, we're talking money. So why don't we move on to a little bit of, I guess you could say, free agency news, although Tyler Lockett was not an available free agent. He signed a four-year Nice $69.2 million extension with the Seattle Seahawks. $37 million of that guaranteed. So you got the whole Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf combo together for years to come now. And our fantasy teams can keep saying, is it a Lockett week or is it DK week? Yeah, I know that's a big question that you will have uh, because I feel like you always have Tyler Lockett on your fantasy teams. He's one of your uh, Literally your only players. had him this year. <laughs> well... It feels like you have them every year. So maybe it's just this year you talked about them the most. But this is a, this is a big contract for uh, Tyler Lockett. A little bit surprised that they got him done so 
early so quickly um, just because of the emergence of DK Metcalf. You would have to think this move is also to appease Russell Wilson. We know those two have a mind meld when it comes to completing passes. I think it was two seasons ago they had a perfect 158.3 passer rating when targeting passes over 20 yards or something like that. Again, that's a stat that sounds completely made up because of all the caveats to it. But it's still impressive on how well they they play together. Uh, I think it would show that Russell Wilson, uh, despite some of the rumors, is definitely not going anywhere. He'll be in Seattle at least for another year, if not for the next 5 to 10, unless something drastic happens. Uh, It's a pretty hefty price. I know as a Packers fan, Devontae Adams is due for an extension. I imagine him to, if Tyler Lockett is worth four years, almost $70 Adams has to be looking at like four years, $80, 85000000 just based off of his performances the last two years. Definitely uh, the wide receiver market is forever uh, going to continue to go up. And Tyler Lockett got a, a nice tuck of change, uh, even despite being this COVID year with seller caps going down. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to hit on Tyler Lockett and say he's not a good receiver. But like you mentioned, Devontae Adams, there's that whole tier of receivers that's above him. And he did get a nice chunk of change. So I am very interested in the years to come to see what the wide receiver market looks like. And that's a high bar for teams to have to hit. It's a good thing the salary cap is most likely going up big next year. But a little bit other free agency. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say with Tyler Lockett, like, is he the wide receiver one or wide receiver two on that team? Like, are we going to have to start paying wide receiver twos this amount of money? Or is he still, despite what the fantasy players might think, want you to think that DK Metcalf has taken over as the number one option there, do the, the NFL players, the Seattle Seahawks still view him as wide receiver one? So the contract is on par. Or did he completely just reset the wide receiver two market? I almost feel like it's got to be a one and one a kind of situation there, or at least that's how Seattle's got to call it to be able to justify that contract that, or maybe is there one and they're not going to give DK the money when it comes to it. But I think that's just ridiculous to even think that that would happen, but we'll see. There's teams that have ones that aren't making half that money. That, that is very true, and they got plenty of time on DK. The, the salary cap should uh, skyrocket uh, over the next two years when he is when he is due. Uh, but George was alluding to it uh, a little bit more free agency news. This one uh, is for offensive lineman Rashad Coward. You're probably like, who is that? Well, we understand that he's not a big name. Uh, we're just highlighting this because if this isn't the most couch GM story out there, his new free agent signing – details leaked when he was talking to his wife who was streaming and playing call of duty and the people in his party realized who she was realized who he was and was able to break the news the deals before all the scoopers like Rappaport and, and Schefter are able to break it because of sitting down playing call of duty with your your friends the most couch gm news story and it just goes to show that sometimes couch GMs have the best insight. Definitely. So do not discount us gamers out there. I know I'm a gamer. I don't know if Cody's too much into that uh, side of the couch GM spectrum, 
but <laughs> I, I definitely play games. Reddit not, seemed super proud. Yeah, Reddit loved it. And like I said, I, I do play games. I'm just not a big first person shooter games because I'm not very good at them. I prefer like Rocket League or Madden or the Nintendo games like the Mario's and Zelda's, like those kind of games because the more role-playing games, action adventure, Marvel Avengers game, that one's pretty fun, even though a lot of people didn't like it. Uh, those are more my speed, but if hey, I know Call of Duty is a huge market, and there's a lot of crossover between Call of Duty players and Couch DMs out there. So keep playing, keep loving what you're doing. Let us know on social media what games you like to uh, play, stream, watch streamers of even. And we'll see if any of news uh, for free agency breaks on there. There's still a couple free agents out there. But I guess biggest uh, news story of the week, besides maybe the 17-game season, was the news that destroyed our mock draft before it even really started. And that was a three-way draft trade between the San Francisco 49ers, the Miami Dolphins, and my Philadelphia Eagles. So... I'll just give you a quick breakdown because it was a whole whirlwind. It wasn't really a three-way trade. The Dolphins kind of traded and then traded again. So 49ers ended up moving from pick 12 to pick 3 in this year's draft. That is the only thing they attained in this. The Miami Dolphins ended up with pick 6 in this year's draft, a fifth-round draft pick, both of those from Philadelphia, a first and a third round draft pick in 2022, both from San Francisco, and San Francisco's first round pick in 2023. Philadelphia Eagles got the 12th overall pick in this year's draft from San Francisco through Miami, a fourth round pick in this year's draft from Miami, and a first round pick next year from Miami. So, big moves. I mean, the biggest ones are the 49ers move from 12 to 3, Dolphins move from 3 to 6, and the Eagles move from 6 to 12 this year. And we'll redo our mock draft, like Cody said, with those picks in mind. And just give me a quick breakdown of who do you think won this trade before we move back to our mock draft. Uh, I'm going to say I'm torn right now between the Dolphins and the Eagles. I think if the Eagles can somehow get one of the big I'm going to say big three receivers, but I'm also going to throw Kyle Pitts in there, even though he's technically a tight end. One of those four guys to fall to 12, and the guy they're possibly going to take at six, that's going to be a huge win. If Carson Wentz turns into a first-round pick and they end up with three first-round picks next year, that's a huge win for a team that had a pretty uh, bad-looking future just a few weeks ago in this offseason. Uh, they could quickly turn it around. And then you got to give it credit to the Dolphins. They're making moves. They're aggressive. They had two first-round picks last year. They still have two first-round picks next year. They still have two first-round picks this year. And I believe they're still going to have two first-round picks in 2023. So they're definitely working the game, working the system, loading up for the future. They're going to be a competitive team. Uh, I'm going to give the edge to the Dolphins right now, but I think the Eagles can pass them depending who's available at 12. And if Carson Wentz becomes a first-round pick, this move makes them the winner. So a couple things I want to note. Um, was it Laramie Tunzel that started to slide in the draft and then the Dolphins took him and traded him to the uh, Houston Texans a couple years back? Uh, yes, he was the one that had the uh, the video of him wearing a gas mask while smoking uh, an illegal substance um, that dropped literally like 
40 minutes before the first pick was on the clock. The guy was supposed to be a top five pick, and I think he fell. It was either eight or 12 is when they picked, somewhere in that range. Uh, so, yes, Laramie Tunsil did slide, and that's how the Dolphins were able to get him. So, yeah, I think it was pick 12. The Dolphins stopped the slide, took him at pick 12, turned him around to Houston. I would have to go back and list out or find a tweet that has all the numbers. The Dolphins have turned Laramie Tunzel into like seven first-round draft picks now. It's something absolutely ridiculous because they got two from Houston, turned that into more, turned that into more. So even them trading another first-round pick to the Eagles to move from 12 to 6 is like no skin off their back. The other thing that I think the Eagles are trying to get at by making this trade and have potentially having three first-round picks next year is the Dolphins have now ushered in a new way of rebuilding your team that's been called, from what I've heard, the aggressive rebuild. You basically completely dump all your assets or do weird things with draft picks moving up and down to try to gather as many high draft picks as possible. And now you're looking at the Eagles basically trying to attach to that when they grabbed still a high draft pick in this year. They now have three for next year, which honestly, if you think about it, they have basically a free year with Jalen Hurts now to see what he does. And if Jalen Hurts is not their quarterback of the future in their mind after this year, they have three first round picks. Either one might be high to get a quarterback or plenty of draft capital to move up in the draft next year and not get rid of many draft picks in future years. So it seems like it's an insane strategy, but the aggressive rebuild might be a way for teams to jump back into it quickly or be able to gain big assets like top quarterbacks in the draft without giving up future years draft picks. Yeah, definitely an interesting strategy there. I do find it interesting that uh, you completely rolled, ruled out a quarterback for the Eagles. I uh, wouldn't be surprised if uh, Mac Jones was sitting there at 12, if that didn't tempt them. Uh, we can have that debate another day or if it happens or just pretend I never said it if it doesn't happen, which I'm sure you'd want to do. Uh, but, you know, speaking of the draft picks, let's let's get right into our mock draft series. Uh, like we mentioned, we're going to start at pick three today. We did one through five last week, uh, but we figured we should redo pick three um, with the, the trade. So George will be up with the San Francisco uh, 49ers. Tyler, despite him not being here, he did provide us with his picks. Um, so George and I will alternate uh, his picks, but we will definitely tell you that it was his decision. Uh, with that said, how it works is it would be what we would do for the team if we were the GM because, hey, we're Caps GM. So that's what we do, of course. Uh, there's no trades. Um, there's a rough clock of five minutes per pick. We're pretty good about staying under it. Um, but just keep that in the back of your mind. There is five minutes. And most importantly, make sure – you're uh, you're talking to us on social. When we make your team's favorite pick, if you hate it, boo us like you would when the commissioner announced it. If you love it, let us know that that has to happen, or you're switching teams. If you if, maybe it's not even your favorite team, maybe it's another team you want to debate. We'd love to hear it. So, at the Couch DMs on all our social media channels. Um, so, just a quick reminder: pick one was Trevor Lawrence. Surprise, surprise, for the Jacksonville Jaguars, and number two was Zach Wilson for the New York Jets, which brings us to pick three, which is now the owner of the San Francisco 49ers. And George, you are on the clock. All right. If you guys listened in last week, you probably remember that the Miami Dolphins were my team. 
and I had them taking Penny Swell, but that's not the case anymore. San Francisco is on the clock. I'm just going to go through their additions and losses really quick. Key additions, they got center Alex Mack, edge rusher Samson Ebukam, who is we're all very much fans of, and linebacker Nate Gary. Some of their big losses, they did lose defensive tackle Solomon Thomas, edge rusher Kerry Heider, and cornerback Akello Witherspoon. And they had two first-round picks last year. They took Javon Kinlaw, the defensive tackle at 14, and Brandon Ayuk at pick 25, much to Cody's dismay if you haven't remembered that one throughout the regular season. Mm. So, (laughs) I was still thinking about taking best available here, but I think it makes sense for reality that San Francisco moved up to take a quarterback. I think they're hoping Zach Wilson is there, but I think there's a good chance Zach Wilson goes at number two in the real draft, and Zach Wilson went at number two in our mock draft. So he is off the board. And I could have taken Justin Fields from Tyler, who originally had picked him at pick four, but I'm going to go with Trey Lance, quarterback out of North Dakota State. So this guy has a high football IQ. He was tasked with setting his own protections at the line in college, something that a lot of college quarterbacks do not do. And he is a really good athlete. He has good speed. He's a mobile quarterback. He can gain first down in multiple different ways. But it's not all good. He is very young. He's only 20 years old. And he only had 318 pass attempts in college. Some say that he tends to scramble too quickly and use athleticism, which is a good thing. But at the same time, you're probably missing open receivers downfield. He needs to work on keeping his eyes downfield as he tries to evade the pressure. And he needs to trust his eyes a little bit more. He tends to shy away from some throws because he feels like they're not open when he should just take them and let the receivers do the work. So he's a raw quarterback, similar to what we were talking about with Justin Fields last year, but they have Jimmy Garoppolo in the building still in San Francisco. So Trey Lance can sit there, work with the coaching staff. Shanahan is very good with quarterbacks, so he can teach him the system, put him under his wing, and they can either bring Trey Lance in later in the season when he has some exposure, or they can use him in 2022 if Garoppolo then moves on from San Francisco. Yeah, George, I think this makes a ton of sense. Um, I know you said they might hope that Zach Wilson falls. I tend to think they already know he's not going. Uh, The reports are they haven't talked to the Jets, but with Sala there, uh, the Mike LaFleur, I think is his name, the younger LaFleur brother, or he might be older. uh, uh, But they both were with Kyle Shanahan last year, and – they have a connection. They they shoot text back and forth. They're best friends. They're good friends. I think they know that the Jets are taking Zach Wilson, especially after his pro day from last Friday. I've been saying Trey Lance to the 49ers all season long. It is not the matchup I want because I think the San Francisco 49ers are a very good team. It's only going to make the NFC even harder. Uh, and I think it shows with the 49ers consistently saying Jimmy Garoppolo is our starter. He's our guy. Trey Lance does need that year of growth he does need a little bit more development he is only 20 like George said um but this guy is like Cam Newton with Matt Stafford's arm this he could be electric he could change the dynamic of the NFL he could end up being the best prospect in this whole draft I know Trevor Lawrence seems like the surefire guys I don't know if you just saw in the middle of my rant but Tyler Snyder has figured out his technical difficulties and is able to join us halfway through the show 
And the good news is, is I'm going to put you right on the spot and say you're on the clock with the Atlanta Falcons while I finish up talking about how good Trey Lance is going to be for uh, the San Francisco 49ers. But as I was saying, Cam Newton with Matt Stafford's arm, electric, Kyle Shanahan can work his magic. I know a lot of people say, you know, maybe Mac Jones is here because they remind him of Matt Ryan. Kyle Shanahan had so much success with Matt Ryan in Atlanta. But I think Kyle Shanahan wants more of an athletic, more of a mobile quarterback. You know, his system has made Jared Goff, Matt Ryan, look great. Imagine what he can do with a quarterback that can throw and move out of the pocket. Imagine what he could do with a Kyler Murray. Imagine what he could do with a Josh Allen. That's the type of guy you're getting with Trey Lance. So, George, I love this pick for the San Francisco 49ers. All right. So, uh, guys, thanks for the patience of waiting for me to get here. Technical difficulties were not fun, but I figured them out. I am here now. Uh, And, of course, I'm right on the clock. Absolutely. That's no more fitting of a way. Um, You know, if you listen to last week's podcast, which I know everybody did because, you know, we're so popular. But uh, I took Justin Fields, the quarterback out of Ohio State, for the Atlanta Falcons. And, you know, a lot of the reports I've seen since then says that the Falcons – are looking to trade back. They don't want a quarterback, so they want to trade back from the pick that they're at because they feel like the best player at their pick is quarterback, which I completely understand. And I do think that there's a very good chance that they will trade out of that pick and trade back. But if they can't, and for the sake of this podcast, which we are not allowing any trades, I'm going to say they stick with Justin Fields because, guys, Matt Ryan, I mean, he's he's getting older. He doesn't have the same kind of arm strength that he used to. He's not getting it done the same way he used to. It's soon time to move on from Matt Ryan. And like I said last week, you just brought in an offensive-minded head coach to the team, and he's going to want his guy that's going to shine, that's going to put up the stats, that's going to make him look good, if we're being honest. And I think Justin Fields is that guy. I don't know if you've watched his pro day, um, but he had a crazy fast 4-4. I think it was a 4-4-4, was that? I don't know if that's correct. but his 40 was ridiculously quick. He was dropping dimes, throwing the deep ball, throwing on the run. Um, unbelievable pro day. I honestly think that he might even be better than some of these other quarterbacks up at this time, like uh, a Zach Wilson or a Mac Jones. I actually think he's higher than them. Um, and I think that he could really change the face of the Atlanta Falcons offense, especially with those threats on that team. So I'm going to say they stick with Justin Fields. His pro day definitely did help his stock. I will totally agree with that. It's a little bit of a different tone on Justin Fields this week than it is last week. Not that we were talking bad about him before. But, I mean, Ohio State doesn't have a great, you know, pedigree with quarterbacks. I mean, Dwayne Haskins was the last one out, and he's he was all right, but he didn't really impress too much. But, I mean, at some point in this first round, we're going to talk about Alabama quarterback Mac Jones as well. And there's, Alabama's another place that does not have a good pedigree with quarterbacks. So, I mean, it has nothing to do with if it's been good in the past. It has to, be, has to do with if this prospect now is good, and Justin Fields might be. Yeah, I, I think he has the potential to be a good quarterback in the NFL. I do agree with Snyder. I do think if we were allowing trades, the Atlanta Falcons trading back makes the most sense. Um, but I do like that you got the the Georgia boy to go home to the Atlanta Falcons. 
Um, and that will put me on the clock with the Cincinnati Bengals. If you listen to the show last week, I took Jamar Chase. I'm still debating him here. He had a phenomenal pro day on Wednesday. Uh, but I'm going to be the first pivot, and I'm going to switch to the offensive tackle, Penny Swool. Now, this one was very tough. This is more of what I would do, because I, I still think, in my heart of heart, I think the Cincinnati Bengals are still going to take Jamar Chase. Uh, but this draft is set up to be what we would do for the teams, how we would improve them, and you have to protect Joe Burrow. We saw him running for his life and end up costing him his ACL last year. They have to protect him. They also took T. Higgins with the 32nd pick last year, so practically a first-rounder. They still have Tyler Boyd. They can get a, a wide receiver at the top of the second round if they feel that's a desperate need. Get the best tackle in the, in the draft, possibly the best player. He's right up there in grades with Trevor Lawrence. Some may even have him a little bit stronger. He just doesn't play that premier quarterback position. But that doesn't disprove how important the left tackle is. So unlike last week, I'm going to swap my pick out for the Cincinnati Bengals and take Penn A. Swole. I mean, I said last week I thought Swole was the best player on the board. So I don't blame you for making that switch, especially because I think you said last week you were you wanted him to fall to five and thought Cincinnati and Sewell was a lock. So now that he actually falls down there, I think that just makes too much sense. And Burrow would thank that pick and welcome him in with open arms. Absolutely. But George, you're up, buddy. Miami Dolphins. All right. So... Miami Dolphins, moving from three last week, now to pick six. I don't think I have to talk too much about their needs and such as you did last week on this show. I had them taking Penny Sewell last week at pick three. He's off the board now, and the position that made more sense then and the position that makes more sense now is wide receiver. And I have the wide open range of whoever I want. So the top three on the board would be Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, and Jalen Waddell. The interesting things about Smith and Waddle is they played at Alabama with Tua. But I do not think they are the best wide receivers on the board, so I'm going to go with LSU receiver Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase has a good mix of strength and speed. He actually seemed faster at his pro day than I expected him to be. He ran a 4-3-8 on Wednesday, and he is really good at 50-50 balls. If you can get yourself a receiver that is good at going up and getting the ball, but still has 4.38 speed, that is a nightmare for any cornerback that needs to go against him. So I think we said last week, like some of the hits against him could be, he's a very upright runner, so he could struggle against press. He didn't have to face much of it in college. And he didn't run a very extensive route tree in college, but I think he showed at his pro day, he is a much better route runner than they gave him credit for. And the other thing was you have to see what his body looks like because he did take 2020 off as he was a holdout for COVID, but he looks like he's football ready. He doesn't look like he just became a workout nut. He looks like he was still training to play in football games. So I think he's going to slot in for Miami just fine. And Tua won't have a problem with someone he hasn't worked with before because Jamar Chase can, I think, make any quarterback he's with better. Yeah, I agree that it's in Miami's best interest to try to give Tua some weapons rather than looking to replace Tua right away just because of a couple uh, bad decisions or bad throws. Like They knew that he wasn't ready to start quite yet uh, at the beginning of last year, and yet they still sounded like they wanted to move on from Tua just because he didn't 
uh, set the world on fire in one season. So I like the idea of giving him some weapons to throw to, and then hopefully in the rest of the draft they will address the offensive line a little more, give him some more protection, give Tua a chance to shine and really prove himself. Yeah, and I I think just one more thing. I think if you look at Jamar Chase's pro day compared to uh, some other receivers, I know his vertical and broad jump, uh, those kind of drills are right on par with DK Metcalf when he lit the world on the combine. I feel like if we had a combine this year, it would be no question that Jamar Chase would be wide receiver one. I do love the pick for the Miami Dolphins. George, I do have to ask, though, if the Dolphins take Jamar Chase with the Eagles pick, how mad are you going to be? I think I would be upset in the moment. But if one of the big three slash number one tight end fall to pick 12 and the Eagles get one of those top pass catchers, I will be a lot less mad. Yeah, I don't know. I just, after the Eagles have missed on so many good receivers in the past to see them miss out on potentially the best one in the draft, the Jamar Chase, after trading back. I mean, Eagles fans, I would be mad if I was an Eagles fan. But anyway, we'll get to the Eagles pick later. Have to wait and see. Yeah, so let's go right ahead on to the Detroit Lions with pick seven, who are now on the clock. Um, now, I think that the biggest thing for the Lions is they traded for Jared Goff. They did the swap of Goff and Stafford. Um, and, you know, there's already going to be some negativity towards Goff because of the fact that if you look at the trade, the value was so much heavily favoring Stafford, showing that he's that much better than Goff, which is just crazy to me. I don't think he's really that much better. So you don't want a guy like that to already be, you know, maybe down on himself, come in, and then they already lost Galladay. Who's he going to throw to? Uh, They lost Marvin Jones. So I think that the best move for the Detroit Lions is to go out and get a great receiver. Um, At this point in the draft, I think it's pretty obvious that it's between Waddle and Smith. Um, I find it interesting that we have two really good receivers coming out of the same school in the same year again. It reminds me of the A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf uh, draft of a few years ago, seeing which one would go ahead of the other. But I think at this pick, the better of the two would be Devontae Smith. I think he is just the all-around better receiver. He is more NFL ready. I think he can jump in and uh, shine quicker. I think he will fit right in with the Lions offense. Jared Goff is going to love having a weapon like him to throw to. Uh, So that's my pick for the Detroit Lions would be Devontae Smith. Yeah, I definitely think they're going wide receiver. Um, I think you're on the right mark there. It's either going to be Waddle or Smith. Uh, I do think it's interesting that that 170 that Smith weighed in at on his pro day has scared some people. I know the uh, NFL, our lock on NFL draft crew, they just did a mock draft and they actually had Smith falling all the way to 15 because of his weight. Uh, so he could be a guy that we could see slide for some reasons, similar to like a CD lamb. Uh, everyone thought he was going top 12 for sure. And he fell all the way to 18. Uh, sometimes the draft is crazy. Uh, I did think it was funny in that draft that Smith was there at 12 and the Eagles still passed on him, but that's for another topic for another day. Uh, the Lions desperately need wide receiver help. So they get that there with Snyder's pick, which puts me on the clock with the Carolina Panthers. And this one is tough. I do think there's a good possibility that the Lions end up trading back 
Uh, so his team can jump the Panthers. Uh, in our mock draft, we've already had four quarterbacks taken. I think that'd be a record if the first four picks were all quarterbacks. Uh, the stat guy in the back will uh, look that one up and get back to us in the future. Everyone look for the stat guy. Um, and I think the Panthers are going to feel a little left out that they haven't gotten a quarterback. Now, I know their coaching staff got to quote. Are you pointing to Labonte there? All right, that's our stat guy back yeah. there. Yeah, Terry Labonte is the stat guy in the back. <laughs> um, Terry Labonte, but, you're welcome on the show whenever you'd like. Absolutely. But the Carolina the Panthers, they're going to have a little bit of FOMO. They're, they missed out on all the quarterbacks. They got to coach uh, Mac Jones at the Senior Bowl. I know there's a lot of reports there that they're they're not big fans of them. Um, this one, it's tough. I'm between two guys. I'm between linebacker Micah Parsons to fix in that uh, Luke Keekley fill in those shoes the best he can uh, since he, his retirement a few seasons ago. And then, of course, quarterback Mac Jones. To me, there's not too much of a difference between Mac Jones and a guy like Teddy Bridgewater, at least what they provide athletically. But I think Carolina has made it clear they're ready to move on from Teddy. Uh, so they take the quarterback that's available, and the Carolina Panthers take Mac Jones. Like we've mentioned, he's not the most athletic guy, but he's a solid locker room guy. He can make all the throws. Uh, some have compared him to Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan's had a pretty decent career. Uh, the Carolina Panthers have seen Matt Ryan a lot, so maybe they want to get their own version of him. And Mac Jones to the Carolina Panthers. I find it very interesting how you were talking about Mac Jones and Teddy Bridgewater being the same guy, but there is really a chance that Carolina either just tries to take the upside in the young guy as opposed to you kind of know what you're getting out of Teddy Bridgewater after all these years and hope that Mac Jones turns into somebody who's a little bit more. Like, I don't think he's ever going to be a top five quarterback in the league, but he could be a Matt Ryan, for example. Solid quarterback, not going to lose you games. Might get you a run or two in the playoffs, but he's not going to consistently dominate, be in the MVP conversation, and you know win you multiple Super Bowls most likely. And I think with an offensive guy like Matt Rule there, and you know they have the weapons to help get the ball out quick, whether it's DJ Moore or Robbie Anderson. Um, I do also like a guy like Kyle Pitts here to fill in that tight end spot. I did consider him as well. Uh, but just with all the the buzz, they want to move on from Bridgewater to an offensive-minded coach, Matt Rule, who wants to get the ball out quick, can take advantage of Mac Jones' strengths. And that would wrap up five quarterbacks in the top eight picks, which would be a pretty crazy start to the NFL draft. Definitely would. And now we move on to pick nine, and with most of those top quarterbacks off the board, a team who could be in the you know midst for a quarterback, but I think is going to stick with Drew Locke one more year would be the Denver Broncos. They're on the clock. I am picking for them. So I'm going to take quarterback off the board just with all five of those guys already off the board in eight picks. But Denver does have a lot of weapons on offense already around Drew Locke, having Noah Fant at tight end, having three or four big receivers who have been drafted early and have shown some flashes of success. So I feel like with their early pick, they're going to do a lot of what they did already in free agency and try to build back up that defense to being that monster of a defense it was when they won their last Super Bowl championship back with Peyton Manning. They've already added people like Kyle Fuller and Ronald Darby out there. 
So one of their biggest needs besides quarterback would either be offensive line. I don't really want to take another offensive lineman back with Sewell already off the board. So I'm going to go with their other need being linebacker. And Cody just mentioned him last pick in the debate. It's going to be Micah Parsons, linebacker from Penn State. This guy is a very interesting fit at linebacker. He is very athletic. He's very fast. And at his pro day this past week, he was actually joking with reporters about he's a lot like a running back, which is funny. He played running back through high school. He went to Penn State, and the coaching staff put him at linebacker. He had talked about how he wanted to play running back, but he was always behind all these good running backs there with Saquon Barkley in the house. And they just kept him at defense, and it worked out for him. They say he has elite range. That ability to basically have the feet of a running back but play defense has him you know, be able to play the box well, be able to get around the edges and get to the quarterback as an edge rusher. And he even does have some decent man coverage ability to play maybe like a slot corner or a little bit of a safety on a tight end a little bit. So he's very versatile. He definitely is more of a linebacker than like a safety, but he's a little bit of a mesh, but he still definitely has some of those tendencies that make him more offensive than defensive. Like he does tend to get out of his gaps and, you know, run protection and he runs too close, too quick at ball carrier. Sometimes he has, you know, some trouble with some bigger running backs. So he has a little bit to work on, but he is by far the best defender in the draft and his athleticism really adapts well to the way the game is starting to form. Yeah. You know, I find it really funny picture, that George. as, as an Eagles fan and as a Penn State fan, you totally just whiffed on Miles Sanders' name. You were Saquon Barkley, and and then you totally whiffed on Miles Sanders, your own team's running back. Hey, this happens live as we're recording. Sometimes the brain doesn't work as well as you want, but no offense to Miles Sanders. A lot of good running backs at Penn State. Yeah, could you imagine if my stutters weren't live? Like, I would be a perfect speaker, but we do it live, and I stutter all the time. It's just a part of doing the show. And no comments that I would stutter if we weren't doing this live because uh, – but, yeah, I think it's a great pick, George, with Micah Parsons. I'm glad we finally got some defense on this draft. We went eight picks, all offense. Micah Parsons could easily be the first defensive player off there. And I did like that you point out offensive line being a weakness. I'm sure you were debating – a guy like Rayshon Slater out of Northwestern as a possible fit there. Uh, still might be a little early. Some people think he, he can go pretty high. Some people might think he can only help be a guard, so a guard might be a little high in the top ten. So I definitely like you rounding out with Micah Parsons. And Denver, if Drew Locke can figure it out, they could be a team on the rise quick, and they're going to need it uh, competing in that division with the Kansas City Chiefs. And I believe that brings us like to – Like I said, a- they're working hard on that defense this year. And with them working hard on that defense, they're trying to build that same pedigree they had when they won their last championship. And the offense doesn't exactly have to blow the world away to win with that defense. So we'll see if Parsons can help elevate them to the next level and help Locke look better than he might even play this year. All right, guys, that is nine picks down, one pick left for this episode, pick 10, the Dallas Cowboys and myself are on the clock. Uh, nobody in here likes the Cowboys, so nobody likes talking about how we can make them better. But uh, 
you know, this is honestly, in my opinion, so the toughest a kicker. Pick. Yeah, absolutely. This is honestly, in my opinion, the toughest pick so far. And I'll explain why. Um, there is a guy on the draft board that should have been gone within the first five picks that is still available. And it is a guy that could honestly change the entire Cowboys offense just by saying his name on stage. And that's Kyle Pitts, the tight end. The dude at his pro day looks absolutely ridiculous. He's fast. He's big. Uh, He can create some serious issues for other teams. And I think the Cowboys are really going to have to debate this guy because of the fact that they just gave Dak Prescott all that money. Um, You don't want to give your quarterback that much money and then say, we're not going to give you anything to work with. Uh, Not that they don't have anything to work with. Don't get me wrong. I know they have plenty of good receivers. Uh, But tight end position is lacking on that team, and he could slot right in there, make this offense super dangerous, and make them honestly one of the highest-scoring offenses in the NFL. But all that being said, I think they need to look at their team as a whole. Don't just look at Dak Prescott. Don't just look at what would make the team more fun. Uh, Look at what would actually make the team better. Um And last year when Dak Prescott was healthy, we saw that they were able to move the ball. They were able to score points. They just couldn't stop anybody. So I feel like they really need to focus on defense with the draft first pick. And I'm going to say they go with Patrick Sertain, the second, the cornerback um, out of Alabama, another Alabama guy that we're talking about in the top 10. Uh, His father was actually in the league for 10 years, believe it or not. Um, But yeah, I think that they're going to go with him. I think after they took Trayvon Diggs in round two last year, he didn't really pan out the way they were hoping. I think that they're going to have to uh, really focus on the defensive side of the ball again this year. And they got to do something, guys, because if they can actually find a way to slow other teams down and that offense with the pieces they have can stay healthy, the Cowboys could very easily be the best team in this division. Not that that's saying much, but be – I hate to say it, but a powerhouse in the NFC if they can make just a few good moves on that defensive side. Those are all those are all great points there. Uh, I do think you make an excellent debate on if they would take Kyle Pitts or not. Uh, we saw last year, you know, C.D. Lamb pr- pretty much fell in their lap, and they're like, "Well, we have to take him. He's so good. How is he here?" And if Kyle Pitts is there, they could be having that same conversation, and Lamb, Cooper, Gallup, and Pitts would look very similar to Jennings, Nelson, Driver, and Finley, which Mike McCarthy had in 2011 for that dominant offense uh, with Green Bay. So if you can score 40 points a game, who cares what your defense is? But it would make a little bit more sense to go with the cornerback there. Um, Patrick Sertain, I know there's a lot of Cowboy fans out there that are loving J.C. Horn after his explosive pro day. Uh, but I do think Sertain is more of a Dallas Cowboy guy. Uh, he was more solid, more consistent, and just a guy that they'll probably end up taking over the explosive big pro day guy in J.C. Horn. Um, but overall, I do like the pick, and I know George is happy because that means that Kyle Pitts and Waddle are both available, and there's only two picks until the Eagles are up. So definitely, yes, that is a teaser for next week. Will Waddle and Pitts get past 11 and 12? You're going to have to tune in to find out. But before we go here, let's give a quick recap. We restarted at number three, but I'll go back to number one here. Number one from last week, it was Jaguars taking Trevor Lawrence. 
two, Zach Wilson to the Jets. Number three, 49ers took Trey Lance. Number four, Atlanta Falcons took Justin Fields. That's four quarterbacks off the board in the first four picks. Number five, the Cincinnati Bengals took offensive tackle Penny Swell. Number six, Miami Dolphins, Jamar Chase, the wide receiver. Seventh, Devontae Smith to the Detroit Lions. Number eight, Carolina Panthers took another quarterback with Mac Jones. Number nine, linebacker Micah Parsons to the Denver Broncos. And rounding out the top ten, the Dallas Cowboys taking cornerback Patrick Sertain the second. All right. That's a good start for us. Um, like we mentioned, we're going to continue this all the way through draft week. Uh, we might even get the final picks out a little bit early so you can listen it a few days before the draft. Uh, but we'll keep you updated on any schedule changes. Wow, schedule changes. Almost had a good show with no bad <laughs> stumbles until the very end. Uh, but as always, thanks for listening to the Couch GM's podcast. Please, if you're listening on iTunes or if you're catching us new, uh, just added this week to iHeartRadio, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, comment, uh, or follow us on YouTube because we're also there, video versions, if you want to see our faces for radio. We'd appreciate that too. Why? <laughs> <laughs> and guys, you know, this podcast is a lot more fun for us and a lot more fun for you if you get involved. So just, you know, let us know who you would have taken. Let us know that we are absolutely insane for letting Kyle Pitts fall out of the top 10. Uh, tell us how George's explanations were horrible and you can't believe you forgot Miles Sanders. What is wrong with him? Let us know. Talk some trash. Tell us what you think. Uh, tell us your thoughts. Just get involved in the podcast, guys. Trust me, you won't regret it. Thank you one more time for listening into this episode of the Couch GM's podcast. For Cody Roadcap and half an episode of Tyler Snyder, I'm George Kurth, and we'll see you all next week. Boom! <laughs>